Hey, Scott Walker here in our weekly podcast, You Can't Recall Courage. Thanks so much for joining us. Boy, uh, first off, I hope all of you listening are healthy and well. I pray that for each of you, for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors, for your coworkers, for your communities, for this country, and really for everyone around the world. Uh, this is a remarkable time, and you get a chance. Uh, I know many of you listening uh, watch our uh, our social media posts, particularly each morning on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I try to post, well, I post in the past, but particularly in this last month, month and a half or so. I remember, I went into self-quarantine, uh, boy, about a month and a half, almost two months ago now, uh, after having been at CPAC. But uh, I try to post many interesting things, but one of them is starting out the day right with uh, a, a good bit of uh, scripture. God's word is important anytime, but particularly in times like this. So uh, again, my prayers for people all around the world and for all of you to be healthy and well. Uh, these are unusual times. You know, uh, on Thursday of this week, uh, I, I was a bit shocked. I guess nothing should shock me anymore, but uh, the current governor of Wisconsin, obviously I was governor for eight years, but the current governor uh, announced, uh, well, two interesting things came up. One, uh, his office announced that uh, he or technically, legally, to get around um, the law, but uh, that's my editorial, uh, his secretary or designee for secretary of the part of health services uh, was extending the uh, stay at home, shelter at home, uh, stay at home order until May 26th. So effectively all the way through Memorial Day weekend, that's about a month and a half, nearly a month and a half from now. And I went through and read the executive order. It's basically rehashing the things in the past. The irony of that is it was basically making the case for the way things were before and acknowledging that some of the early projections in terms of the number of people infected and particularly the number of fatalities attributable to coronavirus uh, was significantly less than what they originally thought, which is good news. Um, but I really didn't see a whole lot of rationale for why they're extending it. Uh, my view is, in fact, I was reading and I posted on social media a report that the American Enterprise Institute, AEI, put out that was written by people like Scott Gottlieb, who was the uh, Federal Drug Administration FDA commissioner uh, uh, under President Trump, uh, a similar colleague of his, Scott McCollum, who was FDA commissioner, <coughs> excuse me, under President Bush. So other scholars from AEI put together a report, pretty comprehensive. You get a chance to look at it. It talked about the different phases of dealing with things. Of course, we're in phase one, uh, but it talked about how the transition into phase two. And one of the things in particular got my attention in light of this order, and that was uh, the fact that they tell you to, to look at having about 14 days, about two weeks worth of, of uh, time frame, where uh, the number of two cases or the number of new cases, I should say, uh, starts to decrease. Uh, why I say that's interesting to me is there are a number of other factors they mentioned there as well. And all along, I've been writing on weeks about how we need to have a game plan to get the economy going again. And I want to highlight one of the things specifically about that, but, but how we needed to have this commission. Uh, I didn't, I don't know that I would have had as many people on it. To me, I think you put 15 to 20 people on it who represent various aspects. Um, I'm a little concerned about the commission appointed by the president. It's going to be too big, too cumbersome and incapable of getting things done. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. 
but but looking ahead, uh, you got to have a game plan. You got to be able to walk and chew gum, a, a way to fight the coronavirus, to win the war against the coronavirus, to, to look out for the health and safety of our fellow Americans, but but still start planning now, not then, but but now. You can't wake up the day after things are. We win the war and things are better. You got to start planning now for how do we restore the health of the American economy? How do we get our, our fellow citizens back to work? How do we open America and each of our respective states back for business? I just see a huge void in that, particularly at the state level. And so I was shocked this week when when the Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers' uh, office announced that the administration was pushing pushing back this order all the way to March 26th. Uh, at, at a minimum, they should be waiting for the next two weeks to see between now and, and April 30th. Here we are, uh, you know, uh, just a few days after Easter. Wait till April 30th. See what the trends are. Uh, the trends, according to data I look at each day from the Wisconsin Hospital Association, they've got a great app, you could, uh, a great site you can look at. Uh, but the, the information that the Wisconsin Hospital Association has up uh, that was updated as of a day ago showed that the peak, the, the highest point of new cases per day was way back at the beginning, the first day of April, when there was 198 new cases. Uh, this week, we've seen an, an average as of a day ago of about 127 new cases per day on average. Um, obviously, we don't want any new cases, but, but those are the trends we're looking at. Not only leveling things off, but, but you've actually seen a decrease now it ebbs and flows a little bit depending on the day and depending on on reporting sometimes the weekends are a bigger challenge for reporting out there but but at a minimum why would we not look at the data before looking a month and a half out nearly a month and a half out to the future i see this with other governors across the country i don't know what it is in one breath they talk about how we need to make these decisions based on data not on politics or emotion and here they are making a decision about pushing uh, the closure of the American economy down state by state all the way back to mid or in some cases late May. It just makes no sense. It's not logical. We need to push back on this. Uh, not because we don't take this issue seriously. We absolutely do. I, I've been imploring people both uh, on this podcast and in writing for weeks now about how the our ability to reopen the American economy is going to be largely dependent about how well we follow through on these guidelines, these guidelines from the White House Coronavirus Task Force about the obvious things, washing our hands, social distancing, not going out in big crowds, not going out if not necessary, sterilizing surfaces, all those things we've heard time and time again, and it appears to be working, which is why we've seen not just in hotspots, but in states like mine and others, the number of new cases are far less than they were several weeks ago. And we should be using the logic of that data and looking where we're going to be in the next few weeks. And then, as I've said all along, we, we, we don't do it at once. It's the analogy I use is when I was a kid, if someone inadvertently shut the lights off, whether it was in your uh, football stadium, your baseball field, uh, or certainly in, inside the gym or playing basketball, uh, back then it's changed since then, but back then it would, they wouldn't just flip back on. They'd have to heat up and warm up and you'd see the lights slowly start to come back on. And sometimes it would take, 15, 20 minutes or more before you get back to the game. That's what things are going to be like with the economy. It's not going to happen all at once, but that's all the more reason why we need to be planning now to have a game plan now for how do we do that? I personally have argued 
you do it in phases. You have what I call extreme caution, but you, you have a game plan. You start with areas like manufacturing and the trades. You allow people, because they can't do it at home, obviously. Uh, you allow people to go back to work, particularly at factories, uh, but you limit access or, or prohibit access even outright to, to break rooms and lunch areas and cafeterias. Instead, you have people take their breaks and eat at their equipment. You, you measure entrances so that people don't come in and leave all at once. You, you do all sorts of other things you can do. You, you bring in crews to disinfect multiple times a day. There are logical ways we can do this if we're smart about it, if there's some good guidance about it. And then over time, you can start bringing back some of the other industries. Obviously, you know, a company that's in a, a, a skyscraper or a big office building uh, where a lot of people are not just in offices, but in cubicles. Well, probably if, if amenable, it's, if, it's, if it works, those are places that probably should keep their stay-at-home policies for a while longer and find ways to manage that so as not to put people all in the one place. We can do this over time if we're smart. We got to be smart about it. There's one thing in particular, I, I hope that whatever the commission um, or some folks in the cabinet or any number of other folks out there get a handle on fixing this before we actually have to, uh, we're at a point which I hope is sooner than later, but before we, we end up actually opening up the economy, I'm going to talk about that. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Scott Walker back here. Thanks so much for being with us here today on our podcast, You Can't Recall Courage. One of the things, and this is something, remember when the CARES Act was being debated, people like my friends, Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott, uh, two members of the United States Senate, uh, were talking about it then. I've talked to Lindsey a number of times since, and that is this reality that, that well, I get that it was important to help people unemployed. Uh, I, I get that. I've got family members. I've got friends. I've got others who've been laid off. Totally get and understand that. Um, I totally get the same when it comes to small businesses, which is why it's been so frustrating over the past week to watch the failure. And, and I don't want to be partisan about a lot of stuff, but on this, you, the blame is clearly out there. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi have made a spectacle out of this paycheck protection plan. Uh, this is probably one of the most important and significant things they did in the CARES Act that makes the most sense because you're compensating small businesses who through no fault of their own are shut down because of the actions of the government. They're being compensated just like you would under a, a imminent domain of, of, of taking property or taking land or access to that. It just makes sense. And it's tied into not just giving money away to small businesses and other employers. You're giving it to them so that they'll keep people on the payroll. So it's a win-win. This is important for not only small businesses, but American workers. And yet you've got all this nonsense where they're trying to add more crap to this. It's simple. They've run out of money. You need to put more money into it. If you're going to spend money on anything, this is probably one of the areas that makes the most sense out there. <clears throat> and, and obviously we got problems I'm going to talk about in the future in terms of the need for a balanced budget, which I wrote about today's Washington Times, uh, a balanced budget amendment, that is. But, but another component of that, in addition to helping our small businesses keep people employed, ties into those individuals who did get laid off or were in the process of being laid off. I think, you know, as of this week, we're over 22 million Americans that uh, uh, the weekly amounts <clears throat> have, have just blown away all previous records. Over 22 million that, uh, Americans filing for unemployment benefits just in the last month. I mean, these are like Great Depression era statistics, or at least we're heading in that direction. And, and I got to tell you, it's important to make sure that those individuals, again, many of whom are 
our family members or friends or others we know, um, really important to give them the peace of mind to know uh, that there's going to be assistance uh, to help deal with unemployment. You know, traditionally, uh, before this federal legislation, if someone was unemployed in most states, it's true here in Wisconsin, you get about half of what you got uh, on a weekly basis to help offset unemployment. For uh, and, and it's one of those where there typically were were requirements that people had to go and try and find jobs and work and so forth. Obviously, that's not a factor right now. But it is uh, when you think about the fact that, I'll give you an example. Someone making $10 an hour here in Wisconsin, if they're on unemployment, uh, would make about half what they made each week. So prior to being unemployed, a $10 an hour worker working 40 hours a week, of course, makes $400 each week. Under Wisconsin unemployment, they make just over $200 um, account for taxes and so forth. A little bit change, but it's a bright ballpark, about $200. But... Now, because of the enhanced unemployment, the federal enhanced unemployment benefit that came out of the CARES legislation, uh, each of those individuals receives another $600 on top of that all the way through July 31st, 2020. So for the next several months till we get to August, uh, those individuals who are unemployed are going to get their state unemployed benefit and everyone, regardless of what state they're from, is going to get $600 uh, more uh, on top of that each week uh, in terms of this federal benefit for, for unemployment tied into the, the legislation with coronavirus. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't account for people being in those difficult situations and, and certainly understand that people have got mortgages and bills and other things uh, that they need to be paid. But the problem is, you know, whether it's May 1st or some other point in the future, once we do get whatever that date is, do get to a point where we can safely start transitioning people back into the workforce by reopening the economy. The challenge is going to be for a lot of our workers, uh, there's a huge disincentive. And this is the thing Lindsay and, and, uh, and Tim Scott brought up before that I've been harping on for weeks now as well. And that is there's got to be a, an incentive to go back to work. If you're making $800 a week and you were making $400 a week before, it doesn't take a lot to connect the dots that that person is not going to be very likely to go back into the workforce. And so my suggestion is some variation of this, but I, I think at a minimum, you've got to make people whole. Possibly you could put even a, a slight financial incentive on top of that. So what I mean by that? So if somebody goes back to their job, say that the example we gave $10 an hour, go back to their job, get paid from their employer, the $400 uh, a week that they received. Now, they're roughly $400 short from what they'd be making under this new program. So give them that. Have the federal government instead of giving $600, let them keep the $400 they make, give them $400 to make them whole, or I've been throwing around the ideas, give them a little bit more. So you give them $500. Now their take home is $900 between the, the money they make uh, each week, $400 from their employer, you give them $500 from the federal government, what I would call, different name for this, I would call it a federal uh, employment incentive program instead of a enhanced unemployment benefit, should be a federal employment incentive program. Uh, the idea is it would still run the same time frame, just like the other program, it would be done by August 1st. But during that time frame, you would supplement what they're getting from their uh, current employer 
so that again at a minimum at least breaks even but ideally maybe as an incentive to get back in the workforce you give them a little bit more it's one uh, an incredible incentive for people to get back to work and two it actually saves us money because without that incentive that person she or he is not going to go back to work if they don't go back to work uh, the taxpayers are, are paying the six hundred dollars uh, per individual plus they're paying whatever their state unemployment benefits. So in this case, about $200 on top of that. Uh, in total, this saves the taxpayers money. State no longer has to pay unemployment uh, benefits because that's completely gone. And of the money from the federal uh, $600, you're saving anywhere from one to $200 just on the example I've given of, of the, the individual worker making $10 an hour. So we got to do this. And we can't wait to do this until sometime in May or June when we stumble over this. This, as we've seen with the Paycheck Protection Plan, how long and how people like Pelosi and Schumer and others can muck this up, it needs to be done relatively soon so it's ready to go. Because if we don't have a workforce, uh, there's just no way we're going to bring back a good chunk of America's key industries if we don't have workers ready to reenter the workforce. These are the things we need to be working on now. People need to look at the facts. They need to look at the data. They need to be making reasonable decisions. And we need to be able to do more than just one thing at a time. We can't just sit and you know hide under the bed and hope somehow that things are gonna get better, uh, not only with the economy, but, but with our healthcare. We've gotta be acting on each of these fronts now. We can do that. We've done this before. Heck, we're Americans. We've taken on tremendous challenges before, whether it was fighting against the odds in a revolutionary war against what was then the greatest military force in the world, to making it through a civil war, which under just about any other circumstance would have tore this country apart, to taking on two massive world wars, uh, which we uh, reluctantly got into both, but ultimately won, one of which more than a, a century ago, we came back and then had to take on another pandemic that we survived to looking at 9-11 and everything before and since and realizing we have made it through things like this before. I, I look at my desk here, there's a sign that I have that's a replica of one that Ronald Reagan, our nation's 40th president, had at his desk during his presidency. It says, it can be done. It's a great reminder, it can be done. We're gonna get the job done, but we gotta be smart about it. We gotta be rational about it. We gotta be able to do more than one thing at once. And we have a game plan to get the economy going now is the time to be working on it. So we're not waiting until the day after the day it's actually safe for us to re-enter uh, the workforce and get the American economy going again. So anyway, we'll talk some more about this. We're going to continue along the way to have not only my thoughts and comments, uh, but we're going to have some more guests. You know, we had Congressman Gallagher on. Congressman Styline gave us some great insights. We're going to look for some more of my friends, uh, folks I've worked with and served with in the coming weeks, and we hope you'll continue to check in with us uh, on our podcast, Can't Recall Courage. Until then, now more than ever, this is important. Keep fighting for freedom. Bye now.